Hey, Seattle Kraken fans, happy Wednesday. We had a game yesterday. The good news is Shane Wright got on the board in a game that saw a lot of either first NHL career goals or first goals on the season. The bad news is that we still lost 4-2. to two. Let's talk about it on this Wednesday edition of Locked on Kraken. You are Locked on Kraken. Your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Seattle hockey fans, welcome to another episode of Locked on Kraken. I am your host, Erica L. Ayala, trying to stay warm and dry here in uh, the Northeast. Anyway, let's talk about the Seattle Kraken. Shane Wright in the lineup. Martin Jones back in net. The Seattle Kraken trying to keep their streak of beating Montreal alive. Slavkovsky's on the ice. Wright's on the ice. All of the storylines, original six versus new kid on the block versus Seattle Metropolitans and the Canadians back in the day, Stanley Cup, all of the things, right? All of the things. I mean, it was an okay game. It was an okay game, generally speaking, from a hockey perspective. We would have liked the win. I think there are things that we could have done. But let's start with the good news. Shane Wright, we'll start with... Our favorite stat, time on ice. Shane Wright had over 11 minutes. He had three shots on goal, one goal, zero assists. He also had a block. He also had a turnover, which led to an amazing Yanni Gord uh, chance. But Allen for Montreal was standing tall. Now, if you listen to yesterday's episode, our squad cast with the Locked On Canadians, Laura and Scott, you probably heard them a little bit nervous that it would be Allen starting in net. So Shane Wright, I did see improvements. That's what we were talking about. We've talked about it with, with Hattie from Locked On NHL Prospects. I talked about it yesterday on our squad cast. I've been talking about it since we had Shane Wright on the podcast. If you missed that, check out our show notes for the link. You'll see a link for YouTube and also the audio version. I know I said it was going to go up yesterday. I apologize. That's on me, but it's up now. So it's a little bonus content for you. Shane Wright knew that the confidence needed to build. That's what he told us. That's what he's been saying. That's what we've heard from Ron Francis, our GM. That's what we've heard from Dave Haxtell. I mean, I think Shane Wright did okay. I think the confidence was there. Obviously, getting that goal. Yanni Gord gets that that puck for him. I loved that. Um, but Bjorkstrand set Shane Wright up beautifully. I think if you want to see an example of how Bjorky just has a really nice knack and touch for setting up his teammates, we've talked about what he's on pace for regarding assists and that most of his points, for us at least, are looking like they're coming with assists. He really teed that up for Shane Wright. And you see Shane, as they're in the huddle on the ice, he keeps kind of like banging lovingly on Oliver on his shoulder because he knows he got set up beautifully for that goal. I don't necessarily think that Bjorkstrand could have had, I don't think he had the better shot, but you definitely could have seen him take a whack on Allen. But he passed that off to Shane Wright. It was the right play, the perfect pass, perfect pace, 
for Shane Wright to knock that home with power. So I love that. But if you see the face-off percentage for Shane Wright, 38%. There was also a face-off loss, uh, which was noted if you look at the condensed game. You know, he lost that face-off. You're going to lose face-offs from time to time here. But that ultimately led to the first, um, I believe it was the yes, definitely the first um, Montreal goal. Now, losing face-offs is a little bit of a story for the Seattle Kraken overall because Montreal scored a decent amount, I think three of their four goals, after winning a face-off. Uh, including two goals, response goals, seven seconds, seven seconds apart. That's painful. It is, according to Allison Lucan uh, and her analysis, it is the eighth time overall that the Seattle Kraken have given up a response goal. Um, so got to clean that up. A few other things that I noted. The first goal, I really would have liked to see Jones get a better look at that. There were some players that maybe there was a little bit of, of a screen that Montreal used very well. I, I think he's got to have that first one. I'm going to be honest. I do think he has to have that first one. Now, the second and third goal in particular, well, really all of the three goals after that, and to varying degrees. When you, so I think it's the second goal, it was a giveaway, lose lose possession. When you see that your team gives up the puck, what I am looking for in great team defense is that you haul buns. I don't care if you're a defender. I don't care if you're a centerman. I mean, I don't care. Really make a beeline to try and beat, or at least be at pace with the attacking skater. And on all three goals, you see that there is most, most times it was a forward. You see them just kind of gingerly skating. No, get down, crouch in like a speed skate. I want to see that. So when I'm talking about defense, you know, we, we left Jones out to dry again. I think I would have liked him to, to make that first save or get something, at least something on that. But the other three, defense, leaving him out to dry. And Montreal with executing just fantastic passing. I, I mean, I, 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 it's exhausting at times to kind of feel like you're talking about the same stuff over and over again. And, you know, some people say, oh, defense is for nerds. Well, you know, defense is how you don't make yourself look bad. Um, so I mentioned Allison Lucan. Let's go to her instant game post-game analysis. I thought there were some interesting nuggets here that she had, including, of course, the ice time. I mentioned the ice time. Uh, he, uh, he being Shane Wright, was with Yanni Gord, and Oliver Bjorkstrand talked about that. And Allison writes that they, quote, dominated shot volume battle at 833 33% of five-on-five five shot attempts, including one where Shane Wright wins the puck, turnover right in the neutral area. Yanni Gord on like a partial breakaway, but Allen just made a fantastic save. Looked good. And so before the game, Dave Haxtell was asked about Yanni Gord being on that line with Shane Wright. 
him moving over to wing. We've talked about Yanni Gord has had a little bit of that versatility. He's one of a handful of players that has that versatility, but I, I think Yanni Gord's the right line to pair him with just because of what he does and Bjorkstrand as well. Just like that's a chef kiss line right there. Um, Jared McCann was doing Jared McCann things. I loved his celebration. He did. Oh, you probably can't see my hands. He did like one of these, like let's go when he scored. I loved the energy. Unfortunately, we couldn't get another two. Um, talking about transitions, Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki, man, listen, if you listened to our episode yesterday, you heard the Montreal crew talking about Nick Suzuki, and he's as advertised. As for us, it was Andre Burakovsky. Burakovsky led all Kraken skaters in both controlled exits with 11 and controlled entries, while Suzuki led Montreal with 14 exits and 8 entries. Exits, entries, exit, entries. A little bit of a problem for the Seattle Kraken. If you take a look... Oh, this is going to give me a problem right now. Don't embarrass me. Here we go. If you take a look at the overall uh, instant analysis, you can see the exits and entry denials. You can see um, how the zone exits, I mean, 82% for Montreal. They were crushing it there. Shot attempts on the power play, both teams with a goose egg on the power play. Um, and we just couldn't get anything going. So now shots on goal, we had 33 shots on goal compared to Montreal's 16. They had 16 shots on goal and got four goals. So needless to say, our shot quality wasn't great. So needless to say, they were able to get a lot out of the shots that they did take, whereas we didn't. And it's not that the shots weren't necessarily good, but again, if you look down at the goaltending, 31 of 33 saves um, and saved about a goal or so. We were projected to score about four goals if you look at the instant analysis from Allison. So we fell short about two goals. Definitely a quality start for Allen, not a quality start for Jones. Coming up next on Locked on Kraken, I promised we'd talk a little bit more about Maddie Beneers. So I'm actually going to take you to my interview with Hadi Kalikach of Locked on NHL Prospects. Um, Maddie Beneers didn't get on the game sheet this game. I do think that there were some things that I would have liked him to clean up, but really that was all of the Seattle Kraken. Um, but I think he continues to be a menace, and I'm very curious to see how he's going to build upon his game. So the rest of the way, we'll talk about Maddie Beneers and a little bit of Shane Wright talk. Now, obviously, this is retro or not retrospective, excuse me. Shane Wright's already made his NHL debut, so some of this, obviously, we can throw in the toilet. But I thought it was an interesting conversation to have with Hadi, and we know that Shane Wright has at least one more game before a decision has to be made. Do, did I see improvements? Yes. Am I ready to say he's ready to be with the big dogs after yesterday's game? Not completely. I still want to see more, and I think that the Seattle Kraken makes sense for them to get a full sample size or as full a sample size as possible before making a determination 
on Shane Wright. So you'll hear from Hadi and I first talking about Maddie Beneers. Then we will talk about Shane Wright and why maybe going to World Juniors is a good idea. All that and more coming up on Locked on Kraken. Right now, I want you to know that this episode of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is basically your one-stop shop for everything that you need, props, odds, lines, news, and podcasts, so that you can go and make informed decisions as you wager on some of your favorite leagues. We've got NHL, obviously. We talk about the future bets all the time. Maddie Benier is still at the top of the table for Calder. We also can be talking about World Cup, NBA, NFL, so many options, and all in one place. Not to mention, of course, you love sports podcasts. You can find them directly on betonline.net. So head there to betonline.net. Use your mobile device, your laptop, your desktop, whatever you got, and check out everything that you need to make your wager. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, Seattle hockey fans, not the game that we wanted. It's not completely terrible, but the self-inflicted wounds. You know, Ronnie Francis used that term regarding Shane Wright, and that's the term that I would use regarding the Seattle Kraken in our last two outings. The energy is lacking. The consistency is lacking. The effort at times lacking. Now, that's tough to say when you have so many shots on net. But, you know, I think what I liked uh, about Montreal is that they used passing to their advantage. I still want to see Seattle find that game consistently because, again, the Bjorkstrand pass was beautiful. Uh, the Yanni Gord setting up, or excuse me, um, I believe it was Burakovsky setting up Jared McCann. You love to see it. We need more of it. I want more of it right? If we're going to be a, a team that's competing, we need more of it. So before actually we head over to the conversation with um, Hadi, let's just check out the standings, figure out where we're at overall. So now we've got two losses. I loved that someone on social media was like, listen, the last time we had two losses, we went on a seven game tear. You know what? I'm okay with that. But we have some work to do. If we want to be a consistent team, we want to be a contender, all right? Because there's already people that are like, oh, you know, this is fun, but is it sustainable for Seattle? I mean, those are valid questions. So generally speaking, those are valid questions, but we want to have an answer. All right, if we take a look at the league overall, Seattle Kraken still sitting at that seven spot. I love it. We have a plus uh, 11 goal differential. Amazing. Now, here's what I want to see us improve. Right now, we're at seven, six, and two at home. So that is 500. We've talked about this. We are at 660. You know me. I was like, let's be a 500 team. So we're there. The grind of the season now is going to require that we find ways to win rather than, yes, you know, just try not to lose. So I like that for us. Seven spots, still top 10. Now we're starting to do on Locked On um, NHL. We're switching the format again. I like that we switched to conference or uh, division. I'm not sure why we're switching to conference. I think one switch in a season is enough, but, you know, nobody asked me. Anyway. If you look at where we stand in the Western Conference, we're up there with Vegas and Winnipeg. Oh, Winnipeg, that loss. 
when do we play them again? Circling that one on the calendar. Um, so we're in good position there. And then, of course, if you look at the division, we know that the Seattle Kraken are right in step with Vegas. And we've already beaten Vegas. So that's what's at stake here. We will talk a little bit tomorrow. Now, we have a game day tomorrow. So we'll talk a little bit about the schedule that's coming up. And... Um, I think it's it's not our easiest stretch, but it definitely will tell us what kind of team we are. But without further ado, let's head to Hadi. But without further ado, let's head to Hadi first talking about uh, Shane Wright. Now, some of this, again, we already know what Shane Wright did against Montreal. Uh, but I do want you to hear what he thinks about World Juniors. We still have a decision to make about Shane Wright. And then when we come back, We'll have a Maddie Beneers conversation and why we think, Hadi and I think Maddie Beneers is so special. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to ask him, but does he feel like anything in his game specifically has progressed since his draft year? I think, you know, we didn't speak specifically to that question, but just overall since the draft um, and what has happened in this whirlwind of a, of a handful of months, he has mm -hmm. talked about, again, just being able to grow that confidence, being able to work on his fitness and be able to really work on his compete level overall. Those are pretty standard hockey answers, but in his case, I think they, those are the things that will make the difference for him being able and we talked about this a little bit on on locked on kraken on an upcoming show on that show where we talked to shane but um those are going to be the things that he'll need to continue to refine and to show that he is improving when it comes to his game to show that he can be on pace to play in the nhl on a more consistent basis for sure and i was lucky enough to catch one of his three games so far with the coachella, uh, coachella valley firebirds he played against the um um, the Wranglers, uh, the Calgary Flames is affiliate, and he scored two goals in that game. It was a back to back against them. Um, I saw him a lot more proactive, a lot more sort of intent on pushing the pace, um, you know, taking shots on net, just a lot more confidence from him in general. He seemed more fit for that level of play. Um, I just wanted your thoughts on him in the NHL and just to share with our viewers a bit what you've noticed from him in the NHL and what needs to be brought to the game in order for him to, to get more opportunities with that team. And I think what I've said before and what we talk about on Locked on Kraken is that Shane Wright wasn't noticeable. And I think there's a few different ways that you can say it, but I really do mean that in as neutral away as possible. Was he out there making a bunch of mistakes? No. Was he finding ways to impact the game? No. Um, in my opinion, I think he was doing and making standard hockey plays, which a lot of elite level NHL players do every night and they don't make the score sheet, but they are very valuable to their team. So when I say he didn't necessarily stand out, that's not a bad thing. Um, it just is what it is. That being said, I think there's a little bit, so we have to, and it's an unfortunate situation I'm sure for him to be in, but we have to separate a lot of the hype that we're hearing from what his actual development track 
is going to be. And -hmm. I think that's the hardest thing right now for the fan base to do. So in my mind, I didn't think that he did anything necessarily outstanding or exemplar to impact the game to necessarily win pucks. He wasn't coughing up pucks either. He wasn't making turnovers. He wasn't, um, you know, committing silly penalties or making mistakes that other teammates had to clean up. So what I would like to see from him and what I think we have seen in the AHL is he's made an impact. He's shown confidence. He's shown that he can find the puck, particularly in his first pro goal. You look at that sequence and you see him aggressively find the puck, win the puck, enter the offensive zone with speed, and then be clinical with his shot to finish. And that is what we want to see from his caliber of player, given what he's done in juniors, given where he's been drafted, and given given what the Seattle Kraken need. That's what we're expecting. So I love that we've seen it at the AHL level. We didn't see it early from him in Seattle. Again, don't think that's necessarily a problem, but now I'm very curious um, if he'll get some more time and some more minutes, and I'll be really basing now what he does at the NHL um, with a little bit more information of what we've been able to see him with at a pro level with the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Of course, and one thing I noticed in his draft year was Shane Wright's shot is kind of a it's like a cheat code. Like he <laughs> he doesn't he, he doesn't really put much like his his mechanics aren't refined. He's not really sort of using his legs too much. He doesn't have the most outlandish wind up, but the puck just zips off his stick extremely quickly. For me, usually when you see a player like that who doesn't have the strongest mechanics but a very very heavy shot. It's usually just brute strength, but I don't see that with Wright either. So I've just I've never been able to perfectly pinpoint what it is about a shot that is so outstanding. Um, short release, very deceptive, very difficult to read. Um, just a just a very strange shot that works really well. Um, now he hasn't scored in the NHL. Is is that just a lack of opportunity? Has be has he been taking shots at a decent enough rate? Do you think, or is there something else? I think it is a lack of opportunity. I, I think it's fair to say that he has not been taking shots at a, a, as, as much of an opportunity. He hasn't had much opportunity. His time on ice, average time on ice has been a big talking point. I did think it was interesting though, Ron Francis, uh, you know, as we're speaking, you know, early in December, uh, you know, Ron Francis, our general manager for the Seattle Kraken, recently gave an interview at the end of November where he said that some of what Shane's lack of time was due to was, as he said, quote, self-inflicted in that Shane was taking short shifts. Um, And so that's a really interesting wrinkle to add for for Ron Francis to add, um, because I think that speaks a little bit to the confidence that we keep hearing, but then also the opportunity. If Shane, uh, regardless of what everyone else is saying, if Shane wants more opportunity than when he does hit the ice, he needs to really go all out and be able to utilize that time. So I don't think we've seen enough not even close to be able to see him get um, the shot that we've seen in the AHL off in games where he's playing for the Seattle Kraken. He has had some opportunities, but those were more loose pucks in front and just kind of, can you get the stick out and and beat the defense and and the goalie? Um, Mm. And so I think that's a little bit more when we have seen him, uh, that's what it's been, but hasn't been set plays. He hasn't had much time on special teams. um, So we haven't been able to see him in, in the, those opportunities, but he has done that in the AHL. So the big question now is, will Seattle, or I should say, has 
Dave Haxtell and the Seattle Kraken? Have they seen enough to now give him more opportunities when he is with the Seattle Kraken? Let's hope that's the case. Um, all right. One last little question real quick. Um, is there anything from your interview with Shane Wright that's, that stood out that you, we haven't mentioned so far? You know, we talked, we, we did a little bit of just talking about his process and tried to keep it fun and light to get a little bit more of his personality. What I can say is whether it was things that we were recording or just as we were kind of getting things set up and there's a little fun caveat. If you go over to locked on Kraken where he's literally uh, tilted because <laughs> there was a tech <laughs> issue, um, you know, and I think I got to see a little bit more of his personality, everything from like the death glare to his lack of time on the ice i haven't gotten a good sense of what his real personality is and i haven't i didn't get to go out to training camp this year i did it in the inaugural season so that was extremely um fun to to see and to see that you know he's in good spirits yes of course he has some of the standard hockey answers but even outside of that he felt comfortable having a conversation he took all of the questions in stride and for me I think that does speak to um again building that confidence and just the comfortability being a professional and we talked about that a lot what is it like for him what is he learning when it comes to being a pro hockey player so i think that stood out to me again his media availability for seattle it's not like he was stone-faced all the time uh, you know he was pretty jovial he's 18 and and showing it but uh his his comfort and his confidence i do see growing incrementally and that, and that's good that's good for him just as a person uh but certainly good for shane wright the hockey player for sure and that's one thing that stood out when i interviewed him at the draft it's just the, the comfort that he has in front of the camera you know with uh media all that stuff it was very evident that this was a guy who's had the limelight for a while and has gotten used to having it and and knows what to do with it um but we're going to be back to discuss maddie Beniers and and his improvement over the last couple of games uh right after these messages Matty Beniers went from having six games in a row where he didn't register a single point to all of a sudden, all of a sudden putting up 11 points in the last five games. What has changed and, you know, how has this game sort of modified in, in the first in those two halves of, of the last uh, 10 ish games? Yeah, it's an interesting question because it was very noticeable when Matty Beniers was not getting on the score sheet, no points, uh, so zero goals, zero assists. It was very noticeable, and at a time I had to correct myself and realize that, you know, he's still a rookie. And the reason it was so noticeable is because he was so involved before as far as the score sheet goes. As far as what has changed in his game on a game-to-game -game basis, I would argue that not much has changed. I never got the sense that he was in a slump, that he had any kind of yips or anything like that. He never looked like he was overthinking or anything. He was still very active, still very aggressive. But then also, I think what you've seen from Maddie Beniers is that he's learning how to, um, when other people, and so maybe this is one 
concrete thing. One concrete thing that I've noticed and that have led to some of his more recent goals is that he's making sure that he's cycling and that he's reading rebounds really well. So Maddie Beneers has always been fantastic and continues to be fantastic at being aggressive, entering the offensive zone. Um, he had a great assist. I think it was on Schultz uh, like a, a few games ago where he's wrapping around the back of the net and just like a perfect precision pass is able to get that through and get the Seattle crack in a goal. But that started from even before he entered the offensive zone, him winning puck battles, him using his speed and using his strength on, on the puck to be able to maintain possession. So all of those things, Maddie Beniers has still been doing a little bit of it is just that things are opening up. But then I would also say that he's also reading things better and learning how to not only set people up, but also identify when his line mates are shooting where he needs to be now in his draft year the main thing i noticed the biggest asset that maddie Beniers had even back then was his tenacity was how mm. intense he was on the forecheck how how good he was at, at creating multiple waves of pressure on his own do you think that's still his strongest asset or has there been something else that stood out since then no, absolutely. Tenacity is a great way of saying it. You know, I was talking earlier about him being able to win pucks, particularly in that neutral zone, then come in with speed and the tenacity of him, not only to be able, um, again, to be strong on the puck. So he's, you know, withstanding any, um, any defense that's coming to try and check that puck or poke it away, but also the tenacity to, and the intelligence. So it's a it's a blend of this tenacity, but also this intelligence where he can say, all right, I'm going to stick with this play, even though this the first opportunity didn't open up. Okay, I thought this was going to be another opportunity. You can almost like uh, see him thinking the game in real time and reacting to what the other team and the defense is giving him. And to your point about the dependability of his line mates, knowing, okay, this is where Schwartz likes uh, the puck. And you, this is what you hear, right? This is what you hear from Yanni Gord, who was interviewed by Ryan S. Clark. This is what you're hearing from Schwartz, from Everly, that, that Maddie Benito can find them. And so that dependability and him having that um, tenacity to fight through, but then also the IQ and the intelligence to know this is where I'm going to connect with Schwartz. I, if I get that puck there, if I fight through, he's going to be there. He's going to be there on the doorstep. And that's a goal for us. That's what I love about Maddie's game. 100%. So you've just, you've just sort of zeroed in on the two things that I love the most about any prospect, the two things I scout for the most, tenacity and intelligence. When those two things combine, you get players like Matty Beniers. So that's our show, folks. I hope you enjoyed. Listen, not our worst loss, but something that I'm going to keep an eye on. Uh, Montreal is a solid team, and they did what they needed to do to beat us, including getting a quality start from their netminder. Now, I don't know where we are at with the back and forth with uh, Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer. I think I've pretty much gone on the record saying that I think it's Martin Jones's job to lose. We'll see. First goal, thought he should have stopped it, or at least made a better attempt. The other three, defense. And I don't want us to lose the defensive conversation. That's the next step. If this team is going to get real about being a contender, it's that hustle to the open space, beating the other team to the open space, and at least making those shots more difficult. We're not doing that right now. And that puts our goaltenders in a tough position, whether it's Jones or Grubauer 
or whatever. So that's our show. Tomorrow, game day episode. Hold fast, stay true, be kind to yourself and to one another. Let's go cracking. I'll see you tomorrow.